0: questions in and of themselves, the right ones, can act as nourishment if we ask the questions that give us life rather than drain us. Welcome to Messy and Magnificent, the place driven women come to elevate their career, health, and relationships. In here, we increase your productivity by replacing always being busy with the space to breathe. Hear your own wisdom and be part of a sisterhood that has your back. My name is Carly Fain, and together we're going to make sure that you have a doable plan and the roots to rise. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It is your gal, Carly. And today I have an incredibly special co-host with me that I have been waiting for you to meet Anitza Martins. Now, if you think unicorns don't exist in real life, it is only because you haven't met my gal Anitza yet. Anitza embodies this level of love and joy and passion and curiosity and zest for community that I'm not joking could straight up power a city. And I am very fortunate in that she applies her superpowers and her professional expertise her role as the highly skilled, multi-talented ambassador of buzz. That's what we call her role here at Everybody Thrive. This means that Anitza oversees all of our outward facing offerings like this messy and magnificent podcast and our social media. And she joined me about a year ago. We're going on our one-year anniversary here, Anitza. And she has quickly risen to being responsible for a lot of the strategies that we put into place and a lot of the joy and celebrations that we have together as a team. So if you ever see something beautiful that we've made and put out into the world, there's a really good chance that Anitza had a hand on it. So I invited her to come and join us on the podcast for this special episode. And we are so lucky that you're here, Anitza. Thank you for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Carly. I didn't know you were going to say any of that. And if you this see (laughs) my face right now, I'm blushing so hard. And Carly knows, but like breaking out to hives a little bit. But thanks, Carly. I'm so, so excited to be here
0: today. Ah, uh, every time you speak, every time you're in the room, there is just wisdom and compassion and just so much fun. I just, I really appreciate you so much. So, one thing that I want you to know about Messy Magnificent and frankly anything that I that I do here is that I don't do it alone. I'm really fortunate to be surrounded by wonderful people like Anita, and so. Anitza, maybe you can share a little bit about what's going down on this series of episodes this month in August and why it's different than normal, because we had this crazy idea. I can't believe it took me two years for it to occur to us that rather than pushing hard to get ahead, we could actually slow down and do a a little bit less in order to get ahead. So how did we get this idea to record differently this month?
1: Well, we're really big on walking our walk or talking our talk carly you always emphasize that like if i'm going to teach something i have to be doing it myself or i can't be teaching it so in the month of july that just happened we were talking about rest and every week carly when you and i talk we always talk about okay well how can i do this in a better way or how can i get more rest and we were thinking like okay well let's look at we did a beautification project we looked at everything that we had going on and we're like well the podcast you know what it we, let's take a little step back from that. Let's, let's take a look and how can we do this better? How can I do this in a more fruitful way? That was to rest for the podcast. So going forward for the month of August, we're actually just going to highlight some of our favorite episodes and we're going to give ourselves a little bit of time to breathe and rest. And we're going to have these little new little intros, a little new tidbit for you if you're re-listening to the episode. But overall, we hope you re enjoy them while we're getting some rest and we hope you rest as well.
0: Ah, oh, I love I love that. I love this idea that we get to walk our talk together and you know, being in a community where that's supported, it just makes it so much easier. I appreciate your willingness to think creatively about how we can continue to show up for our people and show up for ourselves at the same time, Anita. So I know you've been really thoughtful picking the episodes that we are going to share again and We'll be able to give some insider info that we haven't given before on what went on behind the scenes of of making these. So what's the first episode that we've got on deck for today?
1: So our first episode is actually a pretty recent episode, but it's episode 73, and it's called The Purposeful Pause, How Women Get Colossal Results by Contracting Before We Expand. And I chose this episode because it talks about culminating. And this was a new practice that you shared with me that I've integrated into the work that I do for you, but also for my job in the corporate world. And it has completely changed my life. And so I thought it would be nice to just highlight the first culmination episode we've ever done
0: ah, what a good idea. I don't think that we get enough space to integrate and pause and reflect on what we've already created. Sometimes there's a lot of push to do more and always be reinventing the wheel or creating something new. And this is such a great way to kick it off as we dare to slow down and go a little, a little deeper. So what do you wish you knew about what we shared on this episode? Well, you highlight a
1: phrase, you say, let's get focused, we want to go focused into what we're doing instead of going rushed, or super fast or faster than everyone else. My question for you is, where did this sentiment come from? You don't hear that often, everyone, especially, so everyone who's listening, I'm 25, and I live in New York City, so everything around me is constantly moving and zooming at warp speed, and I feel like I have to continuously go faster. But Carly, you say you're going focused. So I'd love to know a little bit more about where that came from.
0: Well, you know, I think it originated with one of my mentors, Karen Witzig-Razell. And she really helped me figure out this method for separating ourselves as a company and an organization rather than trying to be the ones that work the hardest. We were always looking at where can we zig while other people are zagging? Like how can we differentiate ourselves rather than trying to compete with what everybody's already doing? And so as I look at who does well in their career, their health, and their relationships, one thing I noticed is it's never been survival of the fittest in the professional world. It's not about who pushes the hardest. It has always been about survival of the focus. That seems to be who's able to stay clear and attentive to what matters long enough to see positive results, You know, even if it takes a little bit of time. And so while everyone else goes big and fast and fancy, we've had great success with just going deep and intentional. And so I think introducing this episode right here on the Purposeful Pause is a perfect way to show what what that can look like. And so Anitza and I will be really curious to hear what lands for you as you hear this episode, perhaps for the first or even the second time. And here's our invitation. If you hear a part that speaks to you, there's something that resonates or bubbles up within you, go leave a review on iTunes so we can give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. Or you can email Anitza directly and send her a quick little voice memo from your phone. Anita's email will be right here in the show notes or it's A-N-I-T-Z-A at everybodythrive.com. We would love to hear your thoughts and have you be in this conversation with us. All right, here we go. The Purposeful Pause. Why, hello there. Welcome back to Messy and Magnificent. It is your gal, Carly. And if you're joining us for the first time, you are in the right conversation. This is the first episode that we're recording now that it is springtime here in the Northern Hemisphere anyway. And I've had a couple days outside, did a lot of walking around. And I'm so excited to be in this conversation with you here today. Because you know, As I was walking around Philadelphia down by the water over the weekend, I was thinking about how it's one thing to talk about a proven concept or an idea, right? It's one thing to listen into a podcast episode, but what makes our audience here and you and our community at Messy and Magnificent so unique is that we actually live into these things we talk about. It's not just entertainment value. We actually take what we learn from one another and we begin to play with it in our work and our health and our relationships and it becomes real. We see shifts and improvements because we're not just thinking about something, we're being thoughtful and then we are applying that insight into our real days. Now, about 70 episodes ago, we got some of our biggest feedback from audience members when we first introduced the concept of culmination that you might've heard me talk about in a few other episodes since then. I had no idea when I brought forward this thread around culmination way back when that this simple practice, this culmination practice that I'm about to explain in a moment that I have been doing and my company has been doing quietly behind the scenes for years would draw so much attention (laughs) because this simple practice... Looks like nothing to anybody else. We do it behind the scenes in this very straightforward way. And yet it has made such a world of difference for me as a human being and certainly for the way we run our company. So I'm going to share a link to that episode. It was episode number three, done burning out, where I first introduced the concept of culmination here in the show notes. So wherever you're listening, if you want to hear more about that, I'll make sure that you can do that. But for here, Here's what women who have already heard me talk about culmination know. I explain that what we're seeing being far more effective in our modern economy is rather than constantly trying to be on, constantly trying to be able to put out visible production value as invisible product or progress at every single moment, that growth has never been sustainable when we're always trying to be on. And if you think about the cyclical nature of seasons, like I was doing over this weekend, celebrating spring and my birthday out walking around, we are aware that in most parts of the world, there are multiple seasons within a year. And that while nature doesn't rush, everything still gets done. And so growth, when we look at it, either in our careers or our health or relationships, as more cyclical in nature. And if we build in moments to pause and culminate on what we've just experienced before creating the next thing, that is where our wisdom really gets harvested. Meaning, when I talk about culmination, I mean after we've done something. Maybe you've completed a project, or you've applied for a job and you've done your resume, or you've done an interview, or you've just sent your kids off to college, or you've ended a relationship, or just started a relationship, and some cycle has completed. Some moment has just been lived or experienced. It's easy for us to just go to the next moment, right? Just do the next thing. In fact, I think that's what's expected of most women that we go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next, getting as much done as is possible. But if we skip that pause, it's really difficult, if not downright impossible to learn and leverage what we've just experienced so that we, A, don't repeat cycles that aren't serving us and B, can start to initiate new ways of working and living around what's already doing well. So we're not constantly having to reinvent the wheel. So when I talk about culmination, an example of that is the last week of every month in my company, Everybody Thrive, we have a culmination week where I don't do much, if any, public work. I'm not coaching clients. I'm not teaching courses online or in person. I'm just going inward. I'm looking at what we've already done that month, what's worked that we might do again. And if something hasn't worked, how we might either modify that moving forward, if I need to delegate that to somebody else to handle, or if we just need to stop doing it all together right now because it's no longer of service to us. And this simple practice of just going inward and checking out where things are and what's working and what might need to shift, Saves us incredible amounts of time and energy and money, and also sets us up to be increasingly prosperous the next month. You see, when a lot of folks are going bigger and wider and faster, we have always had great success with just going focused and intentional, being kind of simple about things. So each month, when we as a company go deeper into what's working, rather than just adding in new things, I keep asking myself, how could we bring such a rich and effective culmination practice here to Messy and Magnificent so that we're not just talking about it, we're living it together? And I'll be real, it has taken me over a year (laughs) to finally live into having the idea and then starting to put it into practice. Why don't we, here on Messy and Magnificent, experience with having a culmination episode at the end of the month? where we can look at the theme that we've just gone through for that month and go deeper into parts of each episode that really stood out to you around that theme. And I can weave in more stories or even your questions and comments to make this a truly interactive conversation that makes sure that everything we cover in that month really grows strong, sturdy roots within us before we move forward into the next thing. So our theme for this past month has been around professional nourishment. So today, we are doing our first culmination episode here together, and I want to give a shout out to two women who were listening in, Jess and Kimberly, for the thoughts that you brought up when I asked a question about what gets in the way of you receiving the nourishment you know that you need. So in a little bit here in the show, you're going to hear Jess and Kimberly's questions when I speak right to them, but I just want to pause and appreciate both of you, Kimberly and Jess, for being part of our first interactive episode like this with me and for sharing your thoughts and questions as they relate to nourishment. I have no doubt and I cannot wait for you, the listener today, to tell me if you nod your head in agreement when you hear Jess and Kimberly's questions. This happens almost every time a woman dares to speak up another woman thinks, oh my gosh, I am so glad you said that, or geez, I was feeling the same way and didn't even know it, or I didn't have the words to express it. I certainly am so grateful that you are here, Kim and Jess. And hey, if you're listening in, I would love to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode too. So head on over to iTunes and leave a review or we're going to try a new thing. You can send a voice clip or a message over to Anita on our team here, and we can actually add your voice to an episode. Or if you want to type it out, your thoughts, that's A OK too. So that's Anitza, A N I T Z A, at EverybodyThrive.com. Send her a short voice clip of your questions or thoughts about this episode or any messy and magnificent episode, and we would love to weave your perspective into an upcoming episode. And there's a link to how to contact Anitza here in the show notes too. So with this month and our theme around professional nourishment, I want to first make sure that we talk about why now specifically this moment in our days is the time to be considering a deeper form of nourishment. And as I outlined on episode 69, here's why we must have this conversation right now. The traditional business and growth model, in most industrialized countries anyway, is kind of this no pain, no gain, push harder, get it all done, do all the things mentality. And sure, that does get us places. There is a spot for hustle when we're opening the door to something new, but it's really hard, if not downright impossible, to sustain that pace. Rather, We, like the rest of nature, we are meant to have ebbs and flows and beginnings and ends and plans for sustaining the middle. And so does our work cycle. See, it turns out that growth for most professionals does not look like a line just going vertically up a chart. It looks a lot more like a spiral staircase winding upwards. And so in honor of new beginnings and things coming to a close and the long haul of things that we're smack dab in the middle of, this is the time to just go a little deeper into our own professional nourishment. And if me talking about the cycles of growth and the seasons of the way we see professionals doing well in our modern economy speaks to you, that was one of our first episodes, episode number three about being done burning out. I will put a link to that in the show notes and you can go there to learn even more. So now that we've established why professional nourishment is important right now, before we go even further, it's time to just make sure that we're on the same page with our vocabulary. When I use the word nourishment. So here's another clip explaining that from episode 69. When I use the word nourishment or being fully resourced, What I am meaning is that this is our call back to connection and context. Meaning it reminds us, nourishment reminds us of the broader meaning of our work and our days and why we're doing what we're doing. So when we are nourished, this helps us prune back on busy work and tasks that keep us really active, but not necessarily productive or purposeful. So when I say nourishment, I'm not talking necessarily about big, bold actions about having to do face masks or go to spa days or treat yourself to luxury items. All of that stuff is well and good. But when I say nourishment, I'm not talking about traditional self-care treat-yourself models. I'm talking about what gives you life, what gives you professional focus, and what mitigates the suffering or the struggles that we just can't avoid that come our way. And when I say connection, I'm referring to what Stella Sacco summed up beautifully. She said, and I quote, as a trans woman, I recognize I will never be free of the psychic harm that transphobia causes. I cannot avoid it. So through self-care, I have to try to mitigate it. And she went on to explain that this concept of the traditional self-care model, it's really been co-opted and marketed mostly to well-off white women. And she was implying in her analysis here that, we can use the traditional self-care model as a way to avoid what actually needs to be acknowledged. And so when I say nourishment, I'm talking about our ability to connect first with ourselves and with what matters and with one another, and then to provide that context so that it fits in with your actual life so that we're not trying to give you a busy full woman more things to do or things that don't make sense for where you are. Nourishment is not about checking out and it is not about doing more. It's about checking back in with what sustains you and pruning some busy work off your plate. So lots of us think about hiring a coach when we want to reach a new level, right? And that's a great reason to have a breakthrough, to make a shift, or to make an upgrade. Great reason to hire a coach or talk to a mentor. But you want to know something really interesting that my celebrity and well-known clients hire me for? They usually hire me to sustain the success they've already have. You see, being successful is great, but frankly, it's not enough. Because once something's going well or we have found a new goal and we're making some strides with it, we're starting to go in the direction we want to go, well now we need to talk about endurance and how to sustain what's already good. We all need a little bit more endurance right now. We have been fatigued. We have been asked to put a lot on our plate. And so the idea of following through or living into what we want can feel sticky or tricky when there's some large global concerns. That, frankly we're not done addressing yet and so when i asked the question about what's getting in the way of you getting the nourishment you need Jess one of our listeners said it's the mindless scrolling for the sake of distraction that's getting in the way with her right now coupled with doubt right with the doubt she's feeling and Jess i don't know if when you said doubt if you meant your own self doubt if you meant just doubt about things in the world something different or all of the above But I think doubt has been visiting many of our doorsteps in this past year. So on episode 70, we talked about thinking about change and how we're able to find what it is to focus on and make really elevated choices so that things like that knee-jerk gloom strolling through social media become naturally less appealing. And I shared some very candid conversation about what it took for me to go from having fits and starts to finally being able to follow through on what I set out to accomplish because this is the starting point for lasting long-term positive transformation. If you've ever brought something new into the world, something, an idea that you've had, that it takes both the initial burst of inspiration and then mostly major stamina, right? Because anyone can have an idea, but to stick with it, Well, that's a game about endurance, right? And you know what makes endurance possible? Nourishment. Now, here's why I say that, because gosh, for so many years, I thought I had a follow-through problem. I would hatch an idea, then I'd get really excited about it for a few weeks. I'd probably even tell a bunch of people about it, which I would then regret later. And then I might be able to stick with it for those few weeks or maybe even a couple months before just kind of losing my mojo and either getting swept up in the day-to-day of what needed to be tended to right there in front of me in my current job, or just hatching a new idea and neglecting this one, just letting it collect dust somewhere underneath my sofa of regrets while I moved on to the next shiny object and nothing was getting completed, at least not in the direction that I wanted it to go. But you know what? took me a long time to realize, was that it wasn't that I had a follow-through problem. That follow-through or the lack thereof was just the symptom. It was a symptom of having a professional nourishment deficit. I was expecting myself to walk through the hot sun of visibility and to birth a new idea into the world without any shade or a glass of metaphorical water. In other words, I was expecting myself to do it all, mostly by myself, And then judging myself when that wasn't possible. You see, when it comes to professional success, it is not survival of the fittest. It is survival of the focused. And focus requires nourishment. That's just the deal. When you have the resources you need, everything else is a lot easier we're going to call upon two very specific practices that together gets both my clients and I great results when it comes to following through on things in a really sustainable way without depleting ourselves in the process. So number one thing that gets us great results is that I have realized as a coach that if I talk a lot, I don't know, I hope something I share is helpful (laughs) and I hope you would walk away with some nugget of insight that you might be able to apply real proper transformation happens not when we get advice but when we begin to hear our own wisdom when something clicks internally inside of us where things just begin to make sense or our synapses begin to fire in a different way that is where real positive permanent lasting growth is developed and that usually happens when you hear your own wisdom when you live into questions that allow you to self-source some of the information you're going to use in your decision-making process. And so as we look at self-sourcing and having this lens of curiosity, the other thing that I find to be incredibly effective, it's not just about answering any old question. We want to look at this through the lens of appreciative inquiry. Now, rather than everything needing to be big or new or wide, sometimes going deeper into the right question in a moment, I'll talk about what the right question is, can lead us to really rich and sturdy and nourishing places too, especially when those questions are designed to elevate our thought process. So when I say appreciative inquiry, I'm talking about this concept that turns the old idea of organizational change really kind of on its head a little bit. So previous change management theories came from this kind of deficit-based perspective, where we looked at what wasn't working and how we might fix it. And this really results in most workplaces in kind of a low morale, high turnover, a lot of layoffs, or just a general distrust of who's in charge. And this really lowers productivity. It leads to this general sense of focusing on the negative. Now, appreciative inquiry, rather, focuses on finding the problems, and then encouraging us to consider the questions that will lead us into the best of what is possible next. Now, everything I just shared to you really comes to us from the David Cooper Ryder Institute of Appreciative Inquiry over at Champlain College. They have fascinating resources and tools to support us in the art of appreciative inquiry, and I'll put a link to them in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by the Boundary Academy. 15 years of coaching, thousands of women has taught me that it doesn't matter how good our plans, our intentions are, our network, or even our access to external resources. If we don't have the boundaries we need to honor what we care about, we will always struggle with a lack of time or energy or money or downright satisfaction. You see, Women who have thriving, healthy careers and relationships know that boundaries aren't just something nice you get to later. They're something you practice gently now so that you have the later that you want. So you can get free access to the recording of the Boundaries Brunch we did right before the Boundary Academy opened. There's a link to it in the show notes wherever you're listening or head on over to carlyfane.com. And in this 45-minute class, you're going to learn the three mindsets that women with healthy boundaries already know and live into, plus lots of rich, candid conversation with thought leaders in the field of boundaries and women who are just getting started. There's nothing for sale in there. (laughs) just rich content you're not going to get anywhere else. Because that hunch you're meant to be doing something meaningful and enjoyable with your life and career, it's right. I hope you'll join me and women from around the world that are making having boundaries oh so doable. Now that we've outlined why following through and professional sustainability matters and the correlation between that and us being nourished, let's talk specifics here. (laughs) Because if you know me, then you know that I love to get practical, right? One thing to talk about it, another thing to live into it. Let's talk about how we live into it. In fact, I was just talking with a client yesterday actually. She has owned a company for about 10 years and she is pivoting into an entirely new business. And she finds herself wrestling with what Mike Dooley calls the dreaded hows. The dreaded hows are the things that keep us up at night or cause us to feel overwhelmed during the day. They're often questions that sound like, How is this going to work out? How can I feel sad about leaving this career even though it's what I want to do? How will I be able to open a new business while still having to wrap up this present career or position I find myself in? Or what if I make this leap and it doesn't work out? Then what am I going to do? Well, in episode 70, Thinking About Change, How We Find That Focus and Make elevated Choices, we outlined how questions in and of themselves, the right ones, can act as nourishment if we ask the questions that give us life rather than drain us. Here we go. Five better questions to ask when change comes calling. In no particular order, number one is, when have I seen myself be brave before and how could I apply that now? So an example from a client of mine, we'll call her Sally. That's not her real name. Sally has been working at the same engineering company for almost two decades, and she's been in the same specific department for almost nine years, and she is so ready to change things up. She's ready for the next thing, but it's bringing up all sorts of questions for her, wonderings, all the feels are bubbling up. And it occurred to her recently when we were in a private session that she has seen herself leave other toxic situations before in the past, including a pretty terrible marriage. And in the moment when it was really terrible, she had gotten used to things being just kind of bad that had become her new normal. And after she made the decision to leave, she had thought prior to that, I could never live by myself. I could never own my own home. I could never make these decisions on my own. And she found out that she entirely could. And just a few months after making that important decision, she looks back on her life with so much more lightness and confidence. And she realized, oh my God, why did it take me so long to do that, right? And so she's applying that experience to this new experience of, Yeah, it feels unfamiliar, it feels challenging to make this change right now, but I have seen myself leave other situations that weren't working before, and I know I've got some of those resources in my toolbox and I could apply them again. So that question, when have I seen myself be brave before and how could I apply that now? That is really applicable if you find yourself in the type of change that is causing you to have to summon some courage and consider what might be possible if you felt that you had enough bravery to live through on it. Because the funny thing is, we don't get brave and then we do something. (laughs) No, it's the doing of the something that gives us a sense of bravery. So we can't wait to be courageous. It's the doing of the thing that feels true that actually bolsters our courage and then reminds us in the future, oh yeah, I've been courageous before. I can do that again. Question number two for the five better questions to ask when change comes calling is, If I was 3% more confident that things would work out, what would I try next? I love this question because it is so much more doable than having to pretend that we have it completely figured out and that we can summon all the oomph or the chutzpah in the world, right? We're asking not to be 50% more confident that things would work out. We're considering just 3%. That's just one small step. So for an example, I'll, I'll use myself here. When we were thinking about creating this podcast, I had all those doubtful questions. You've heard me talk about them in the first episode. But I asked myself, okay, if I was just 3% more confident here that if I created this podcast, things would work out, what would I try next? And in that moment, the answer for me was, well, I'd call somebody who's made a podcast before and I'd ask them what it's like. That's it. It's not a high-risk scenario. It's no big deal. It's just me connecting with somebody else who's got a little experience in the thing I'm considering doing. That's what my 3% look like. I'm curious, if you were 3% more confident that things would actually work out, what would you try next? Question number three, and the five better questions to ask when change comes calling is, what do I really care about? And how will I welcome more of that into my days? What do I really care about, right? And how can I create space for more of that in my days right now? This question is particularly helpful when we have no idea what we should be doing next, when it feels really cumbersome or overwhelming, because it helps us focus in on what energizes us what do we want more of? And how could we welcome more of that into our days? So for example, I run a coaching program that's specifically for driven women who own their own businesses, who are just done burning out. They're leveraging all of their resources to thrive in their careers without having to work around the clock. And I asked them this question recently as we come up on the holiday season. I said, okay, what do you know for sure you want to welcome in during these holidays? And one of the women said, you know what? I love baking cookies with my daughter and stringing up the Christmas lights. It's cold and dark where I live during winter. And having that sense of warmth and connection goes a long way for me. So what she knew was that she really cares about Warmth and connection, a sense of being cozy and close with the people she cares about. And for free, she can do that right here, right now. It's not complicated, but every day she can dip her toes in that pond, right? Now, here's the fourth of five better questions to ask when change comes calling. This one is a really big deal for all my independent driven sisters out there, because I feel you on this one. This one is, who can I ask for help? Who can I ask for help? Now, what's really interesting about Driven Women is that doing the hard work, as in putting in the hours or doing the research or doing the manual labor or whatever it is required to live into a career that we like or a life that we like, that, while it requires some effort, is not that hard for us. Oftentimes, the hardest thing for us is learning how to ask for help. Because we have reinforced for ourselves time and time again that we need to figure it out ourselves because maybe that was our past life experience and it really was up to us to get the job done if we wanted it to get done. Or um, maybe we've just felt too vulnerable to speak up and ask for help prior to this. And so the question here is, who could I ask for help, right? Who might know something about this? Who could lend a hand? Who could help clarify what I could work on or focus my attention on moving forward? And then here's the final of the five. And this one might be my favorite one right now in this in this moment. The question here is, wouldn't it be cool if that dot that? Dot, dot, and you get to fill in the blank. This question was taught to me by Marie Forleo, and I love this one because it is so upward leading and it allows for real brainstorming and creativity with no real expectation on what pops up. It really leaves space to breathe and create something that we might not have even thought of yet. So wouldn't it be cool if you applied for this new job and you got it? Right? Or wouldn't it be cool if you told this person what you were really feeling about them and they felt the same way and now you guys were on the same page? With this one, we really get pragmatic. We get to grab a piece of paper or use the master sheet at carlyfane.com forward slash podcast. And you're gonna set a timer for one minute, and you are just gonna brainstorm popcorn style any answer that pops up first, ten times in a row. So you'll write the question, wouldn't it be cool if? Fill in the blank and then write it again. Wouldn't it be cool if fill in the blank again, get 10 different answers on the page and then move about your day. What's really effective about this exercise is that it primes the brain to keep looking for those unconscious solutions that we were talking about earlier. So I'd be really curious and excited to hear what you might do with the wouldn't it be cool if this is something that Ellen, my co-pilot, my right hand here in my practice, we do at the end of every month when we have our culmination time. So the last week of every month, I don't coach, I just do the behind the scenes admin work and running of the business that's involved. And we ask the question when we get together, wouldn't it be cool if? And some of our best ideas have come from just filling in the blank. It is amazing how possible things are when we start with what would enliven us and then take small, consistent steps in that direction. Well, here's where our second audience member question comes into play. So if you recall, the question I posted was, what gets in the way of you getting the nourishment you need? And Kimberly wrote in right away and said, guilt and keep an emotion out of it, <laughs> meaning it's really hard for her to get the nourishment she needs when guilt is cropping up. So, when we're making decisions that include ourselves in the conversation of doing well, it is just so common for guilt to arrive. In fact, just today in the Boundary Academy, we'll call her Stacy, that's not her real name, but Stacy said that she had this great boundary win. Somebody asked her to cover an extra shift on Friday in the medical establishment she works for. And she said no. And when I said, what was that like, Stacy? What was it like to kindly say, no, I'm not available that day? She said part of her felt great and part of her was wracked <laughs> with guilt. And so I just so appreciate, Kimberly and Stacy, your candidness in this conversation. And I want you to know this you have both just tapped into one of the most relatable experiences that women navigate when taking care of ourselves. And that's why I knew that if we were going to have an entire month talking about professional nourishment in our careers and beyond, we were going to have to address the fact that guilt might show up. So I reached out to Katherine Flavin for episode 71, Tired of Feeling Guilty? How Wise Women Are Exploring Guilt and Becoming Better Leaders. Now, Catherine is an extensive data researcher. Her organization, Leader Mom, focuses specifically on women in leadership roles. And she spoke beautifully with us about gathering the right intel to process guilt effectively. How many of you have had guilt in the last 12 days? <laughs> Try tried, like, tried 12 hours. I'll just speak for myself. In the last 12 hours. And to just think
2: about, for them, the last time that guilt rose for them, right? So, so this thing that I'm about to say is basic emotional intelligence, right? So emotional intelligence accounts for like in the literature, somewhere between if you're at a senior leader level, my recollection is like 24 to 66% of performance. Wow. So it's, it's much too much to ignore. And it's something that we teach. And, and personally, I teach to really smart people in a very, I don't know, like I was teaching algebra but here so here go the so so there are different types of emotions and guilt is a feeling right so the feeling shows up in your body in some way and that's part of what differentiates that for any emotion here's the the where the intel comes in you have to discriminate is it good data or is it bad data mm. so so emotions have the capacity to enrich us right so if if i feel sad because I've lost something and I need some support. If I can recognize that and call you and say, Hey, Carly, can we talk for a minute? I'm really sad about this thing. I need some advice. That is a very wise use of the, the emotion of sadness to, to prompt me to reach out. If I get sad about something and then start to spiral down into, oh, yeah, this has always happened to me and I don't really, people don't take me seriously and I don't really belong here. And then I go in my room and ruminate and then... <laughs> With a tub of ice uh, cream, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, or a bottle of Chardonnay, <laughs> if we're honest. Um, <laughs> you know, that, that is not a great use of guilt. But what may be happening there is that growing up and consulting as one, you know, there would be one or two female partners around the table. And so having had people talk over me Mm. or to have me say something, and if it weren't for this friend of mine, Steve Williams, who in meetings, when somebody else would say the thing that I said and get credit for it, and I would think I'm crazy. And Steve would say, hey, Flavin just said that. That was hers. Right. But the, all of those moments of sort of microaggressions, or even for me, my childhood experience, third kid, right? Like if I get talked over, it's like, no one likes me, (laughs) but those are old, either unmet needs or wounds from bias Mm -hmm. that prompt something. Right. Yeah. So, so when guilt comes up, guilt can be super useful. One of the main things about being a leader mom, right. You're never going to satisfy anybody is part of what I want to tell you (laughs) relative to the when my kids were born I stayed in work, my mom was mad at me. Now that, now that I'm still in work, my mom's like, yay. It's like, okay, some people get it. Some people don't. It can be very isolating to be who we are. And whether you're a leader mom or a mom leader, you're going to have the same experience. So mm-hmm. if you choose to take off sometime, some people will shame you for taking off. It's like, whatever. So you, So you need to know how you really feel and what really works for you and your family and your career. And the only way you can do that is getting clear about your own values. Yes. and how your values trade off. And guilt is, guilt is basically a super useful thing that my you know if you conscience or my whatever tells me when I violate a value, I feel guilty.
0: So now Catherine has given us a powerful perspective on how guilt can actually be the invitation to check in and make sure we're honoring our values. So if we go back to the example I just shared about Stacy in the Boundary Academy, We did this super fast assessment live together in the academy to see what her values were. And we talked about, for example, her values being being a team player or being kind. And so she got to pause and consider, as I make this decision to not cover this extra shift on Friday when I've already done more than was really reasonable for me here, am I still being a team player? Am I still being kind? And if so, if the answers to those questions are still like, yeah, generally I'm a team player generally I'm pretty kind here, then she's good to go. She knows that she's taking care of the team, she's being kind to others, and she is also including herself in the team and kindness to herself. So that her choice to make a boundary and not work that extra day that week is keeping actually with her values. So let's imagine that you're like Stacy. And you felt some guilt and you paused to check in and see what that guilt wanted you to know. And you notice what your values are here and you're considering whether or not you're living into them. Well, next, Catherine Flavin helped us understand a little deeper into our values and then specifically how to stick with them. If
2: you are brave enough as a female to just own whatever it is that you actually produce and put in some effort into that, into capturing that and understanding where it is and how you can make it higher in the context of your teams, play to your strengths, do what's meaningful to you, make sure it is additive to the organization. When you know what that is, the stuff that people may ask you to do, like, hey, could you organize this meeting? Or hey, could you take notes? You might be like, no, because that kind of domestic work is more likely to be given to women. But if you're clearer on where your value is, which is a core leader mom thing, if you know where it is, Then you're able to focus on how am I going to add the most value I can with the time and energy that I have to give to this and still have something left over so that the whole, like for me, the whole point of working was to take care of my kids right, and make the world better, right? For them. Um, And so if I came home entirely depleted and I felt like I paid the babysitter to live my life, I was like, wait, this is
0: wrong. There it is, because you were right. You had figured out how to sustain this level because you weren't trying to sprint. And and as you describe this, Catherine, I hear you saying, gosh, this, this richness around the concept of value, because there's knowing what we value and knowing what value we bring, right? That it, it just keeps coming back to value. And do I value being the CEO of this organization or do I value something different than that right now? And can I own that? There's this sense of ownership as you describe what's working of, can I just own? own and maybe even articulate outward, hey, I don't need to work 75 hours a week in order to, to do X, Y, and Z that I'm very good at and that this company needs or this organization needs or the swim team needs, right? Whatever it is that we're, that we're leading. Yeah.
2: And it is, and a lot of times because of the bias and this question of, I can't do it all, right? So like that's the, literally if your brain ever goes to, oh, I can't do it all, Just know that your brain is tired. You need to go get a lemonade and feed it some glucose because it is basically decided I'm not going to do complicated math. I'm going to take a shortcut to a simpler, well-paved path to an answer, which is basically no every single time we ask. (laughs) And instead, you know, just sort of be like, okay, what is the problem I'm trying to solve in front of me? and not go to the epic big things, but just be like, okay, what do I, because oftentimes it's like, do, do I need a babysitter? Right. Or do I, do I want to do this thing or whatever it, and and our brains can sort of get fall into thinking traps around making them bigger and uglier than they actually are. And that is, I don't know, it's just it, if, and if we are able to take the moments of contribution, I I told the story recently, we were on a small group coaching call of a team of executives four men, one woman, and she has young kids. And she said, I'm exhausted. I just am not able to get everything done. And so in the spot, I asked each person to take 20 seconds and tell me what they had accomplished. So write down what they had accomplished so far that day. And a couple of the men who were really solid leaders were saying, I got here, I checked in with my team. I've responded to emails. and you know, I started this thing. And her list was, I got up, I got my kids off to school. I made them breakfast, prepped dinner, got here, had talked to the board, talked to my colleague, drafted the strategic plan, <laughs> the widow. And it was like seven things more than anybody else in the room. But she was comparing herself to some idealized thing. Right. So when you get into value, you actually have to ask people, What am I doing that is valuable to you? Right. Tell me what's valuable about what came. You know, like this deliverable I just gave you that you said you like so much. You have to be brave enough to say, Tell me what's valuable about that. And if I were going to increase the value 10%, is there anything you would ask of me? Right. But you don't want to, people when they ask for feedback often out invite critique. Right. Like give me some feedback, which means tell me what's wrong with me. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no. yeah.
0: Yeah. No. Right. No. Validate for me all the negative thoughts I have about myself as opposed yes. to what here is working. And this, and going back to the example you gave from Kelly earlier. Like even with the goodie bag, do you value goodie bags? I mean, that wasn't the way she phrased it, but it was, do you care about these, right? And the kids yeah. could just say, not so much. No, actually. We really
2: care about the super big, you know, hoagie that she gets. Right. But um, And they care about having an inclusive party. So they're there. But this notion of value, it gets us out of our own head and into the context of the relationship. And it's also easier for many of us to claim our value in the eyes of what other people, through the words of other people, mm. like every time I have to write a bio, I, I vomit a little in my mouth. <laughs> like I'm like I'm just so bad at describing myself. Um, and I hate. And I've had a I had a client who said she specializes in teaching smart people things that they think are stupid at first, oh. right? And he meant emotional intelligence to super smart, right,
0: right, right,
2: Man, or inclusion behaviors to super smart people. I was like, oh my God, that's so nice, <laughs> right? Like, that's a much better definition of value than I ever would have come to. Mm. And so we really do need each other to understand how we show up at our best.
0: Well, there we go. You got to be part of our first culmination episode weaving in the popular sound bites from our month of professional nourishment with your comments and questions and a few more real life stories here. And I would love for you to continue to be part of this conversation. We can keep you anonymous or I would be my delight to give you a shout out on an upcoming episode. So do hop over to iTunes and leave a review and tell me what is one part of Of this particular episode that really stood out to you. What is landing or making sense? Or if you want to have your voice in an upcoming show, send that short voice memo over to Anitza at everybodythrive.com. There's a link to that here in the show notes, and you could be featured in an upcoming episode too. Just trust me, just like you might have related to Kim or Stacy or Jess or anybody else whose stories I've mentioned on this episode, your questions and thoughts will have a ripple out effect. Other women will be thankful that you shared your perspective. Because remember, you thrive through nourishment, not punishment. Keep taking care of what you value, including yourself in the equation of what you value. And I'll see you again next week with a brand new episode. Thank you for listening to the Messy and Magnificent podcast and being part of this dynamic, life-giving community of women. I consider each episode part of a lifelong conversation of you and me hanging out, sipping tea together, making sure that all women become richer, more nourished, and able to keep on rising. So I'll see you on the next episode next week. But in the meantime, don't forget to head over to carlyfane.com forward slash podcast to get the full show notes. And I've also got some extra special free resources for Driven Women over there that you won't find anywhere else.